Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast. I am joined by Mike Breeling, Ben Spreen, and not Kyle Connor because he is in Germany for a long time. We may see him here and there, maybe on a couple episodes, but he is off driving all the cars we wish we could drive. But today we will talk about the 4xE. I finished my time with the new Wrangler plug-in hybrid. Um, we're going to drool over the new Gunther Works Speedster, and Alpha Motors has a official prototype on the Wolf. And the Mercedes-Benz AMG 63 SE performance. Let's see how that looks. Um, so let's start right off with what we've been driving slash doing. Um, I will kind of just kick it off with, I guess, follow up from last week, because that's when we first mentioned the Wrangler 4xE. Um, so I've now had it a week, just gave it back yesterday. And it was actually hard to give back. Kyle didn't really like the 4xE, but he yeah, also had a limited time with it. And it was when the battery had already been drained. So he didn't really get to understand its full potential. Um, although part of the video he did, which is just dropped on our channel, by the way, um, out of spec reviews on YouTube, um, he did mention he could see kind of the potential. So I like absolutely loved it. Um, I got consistently over 20 miles on the battery uh, and the trail, like the off-road capability. I mean, obviously I had the Rubicon, so Totally trail-ready, electronic, um, unlocking differential or sway bars, differential. Like, it had everything I needed. Four high, four low, all that worked on full EV mode. And on the trail, I mean, it lasts even longer because you're not going fast. So it's almost like mm -hmm. a trail on EV mode is basically hypermiling <laughs> in a way. Um, plus, there's a lot of downhill, which you get energy back, which you don't get gasoline back going downhill. So um, I loved it. And the trail I took it on was actually almost entirely one lane and had a lot of like cliffs on one side, like, you know, it's like carved in the side of mountain type thing. So the, re like the fact that it was completely silent, I could hear 
other loud off-roaders coming from like a mile away. So I could go to a pull-off <laughs> and wait for them. And they'd be like, how do you know? <laughs> so That's, I found um, it very useful. Yeah. So I actually have a friend who went out and bought a Rubicon 4XE. Uh, he owned it. He didn't own it very long, admittedly, because it just didn't ultimately meet his needs what he was looking for. He thought that it would, but he basically echoed everything that Jordan just said about it. It was his first ever plug-in electric car or SUV or anything that he's owned. Mm -hmm. And he absolutely fell in love with the driving around that Jeep on the electric mode uh, when he could. Now he works from home, so he doesn't really have a commute, but out on the trail, he did take it off-roading a number of times. And that's what he said, like the instant torque, the fact that you got regen uh, off-roading, you never had to fire up the motor, hardly ever, I think he said. Um, but ultimately, went back to a power wagon because he just needed more storage <laughs> space inside. Uh, apparently, the battery pack does take up some of that room underneath the rear seat. Um, and it just kind of limits the overall interior usability for what he was looking for. But uh, very impressive car, I think. I have seen a couple of them around here in the Raleigh area. Um, I think I've only ever seen the Saharas though, or Saharas, not the, uh, the Rubicons. Yeah. So that, yeah, it's one thing to note at the moment, it's only Sahara Rubicon and high altitude. And so Rubicon's kind of the trail ready one, which theoretically should inflict a little bit on your range because it is bigger tires. Um, so the Sahara would probably get even better very slightly. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it makes sense for a very niche amount of people, like the people who have a short commute, like 20 miles, 25 miles round trip, or if you have charging where you're going, that helps. And so this will do level two charging um, just over two hours to full, uh, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's very usable. Um, but if you have much longer commutes or you can't rely on charging, um, then it kind of, like if the electric component is just not something you would want to use, it makes no sense because it gets worse gas mileage than the turbo four cylinder because it is the turbo four cylinder plus more weight. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's pretty abysmal um, though. It is fun too. So another, I guess, potential reason to buy this is it is the most powerful Wrangler besides the 392. It actually has the same torque, 470 pound feet of torque and 375 horsepower. So that's no joke. Um, I went and shot some photos the other night, which uh, you could see some of them here. And I was with my friend who had a Civic Type R, and I was keeping up with him just fine. It was awesome. And then he went and bought <laughs> one of these the next day. So <laughs> <laughs> did he sell his Type R for the Rubicon? No, he has. Oh, a, yeah. This was his 25th car in his driveway. Um, okay. he does, he's <laughs> he's like full time on Turo. That's his thing. So oh he, yeah. Yeah. Turo's everything. So he's got quite That's a diverse like, fleet. <laughs> I'll but say. Yeah, this, this was a blast. I took the doors off. So taking the doors off and the roof off made me really want a Bronco because mm -hmm. for some reason it was just a pain. And also the components, like the things, the plastic panels inside the Jeep you have to remove mm -hmm. to take the doors off are already falling apart. And this has 7,000 miles. And they are, and well, not, not every journalist does this either. So it's like, they're just, I can just look at them and see that they're made extremely poorly. Like you probably just want to replace them every year, every couple of years 
depends how much you take your doors off, I guess. Yeah, I don't but, see yeah. that many Jeeps with doors off, at least all four of them. Yeah, took the dog out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dog um, car. I, yeah. I, I have to say the electric off-roading is something I've done a couple times. You know, I did it in the Model X. We've done it in the e-tron. We've done it in the smart mm -hmm. car because that <laughs> makes just sense. Made sense at the time. Uh, and uh, it's really nice to be able to cruise around kind of in silence when you're out in the wild because you sort of start to pay attention more to what you're looking at, what you're around, what you're hearing nature. I mean, that's the whole point of off-roading, I think, is to get out and explore. Uh, but you can hear everything going on with the tires and things like that and traction. And you can all of a sudden hear, is this dry uh, mud or is it wet underneath you know yeah. you hear that crunching of the surface so it kind of adds a new element you know off-roading some of those things that i think is really uh benefited from an electric powertrain yeah uh, just purely from the you know you gain a new sense because in a sports car you know you have wind noise and stuff and so you're not hearing the tires a whole lot because it's an ev but off-roading you're doing you know five miles an hour range is generally good i don't think we we could off-road in the smart car all day <laughs> and it, the battery would be fine. It wouldn't really run through much of it because you're not actually traveling that far. Yeah. You spend eight hours to go three miles, four miles, something <laughs> like that. So it actually works out well. Well, yeah. even with the e-tron, uh, when we were on the sand or the beach and the couple like little trails we took it on, it didn't use very much range at all. We definitely would consume way more just driving on a on a road. So I think that the with the future electric off-roaders on the horizon here uh pretty exciting overlanding future coming up mm -hmm. now i will say um the one big quirk with the jeep 4xe which now i kind of want to go see if doug demir has done a video on it because it's, it's such a quirk <laughs> um is the steering motor when you're in electric mode all you hear is yeah tires on the ground or rocks or whatever the tires are in contact with and also the squeaking of the electric power steering module, whatever that is. Really? It is so, so loud. Like, oh, wow. I mean, not, not huh. like deadening loud, but like, yeah. When nothing else is making noise, that's all you hear. And it is really funny. Like, it's just, it, it literally sounds comical. Like, <laughs> it's, it's a sound maybe someone would use in a cartoon of a car or something. It's so weird. Um, I, I am curious if it was just mine. So I need to go see my friend's Wrangler 4xE and see if his does the same thing. Um, but it, it was like really interesting. Um, but yeah, it was otherwise I thought it was awesome. I was very much turned on to the aspect of no doors, no roof life. Um, mm -hmm. Just being like a Miata person who has the top down, literally down to about <laughs> 20 degrees Fahrenheit. That's my limit. Um, so like the Jeep was just my kind of like, it was like the perfect thing to pair with a Miata. Uh, but I'm dying to see the Bronco because I think that'll like a, the new two door Bronco would probably be my cup of tea. Do they do two door four by E? I know it's a niche vehicle and that would be the most niche of it, but that would be pretty cool. I feel like. So they don't cause the battery is under the rear seat. Uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe some, I think it. they will someday. So I think it's a cool Jeep. Four by E is awesome, but I it starts at about fifty grand. Most of them that I've seen are specced around sixty, sixty-five, yep. which is encroaching on four ninety-two price territory. And I think it, the value is going to plummet when Jeep continues to electrify their lineup and improve on it, and especially when like 
you know, in a couple of years, there'll be a full electric Jeep probably. And then no yeah, one's going to so. want the four by E like, because yeah. that makes no sense. Like if you want a car for road trips, you'll buy the not four by E because the battery literally won't help you. So, well, the current benefit of the four by four E is that if you wanted to get into a Jeep Wrangler it is like one of the cheapest ways to lease one, uh, their lease payments are advertised at like two, two yeah. something a month. It's uh, kind of crazy. And that's what I would do because then what a couple years lease and then the one you really probably want will be out. So <laughs> yeah, the full like, electric yeah, one. Yeah, it's like a good a good taste. So I don't know. That I think was... a plug in is always a great opportunity to lease because it lets you dip your toes into EV mm-hmm. yeah. and then it's not your problem at the end of it because it is the most complicated drivetrain you could possibly have because you've got both. Yeah, um, I would not want to own this out of warranty. The, the drivetrain was really clunky. That's something Kyle pointed out in his video and I felt mm-hmm. it too. Uh, so in EV mode, it's fine. And then without the electric component, it's fine. But when you're in hybrid, it really struggles to go between EV and combustion engine. Um, because what's interesting is the electric motor is between the engine and the transmission. So that's what was really weird too, is like in EV mode, you can hear it, it changes. Yeah. It's like spooling quote unquote. And then like, then drops down the next gear, like eight speeds of EV. So it's not direct drive, which is really <laughs> weird. Cause this is the first one I'm not had a direct drive in the EV experience. Well, a lot of plugins are that way right now. I mean, you've got uh, Porsche, BMW, Land Rover mm-hmm. products that are plug-in hybrid. They're all just, it's its in the transmission where a torque converter might be. Yeah. Um, I think the only exception I can think of is the Toyota RAV4 Prime, which mm-hmm. has got a big electric rear motor that's purely for the rear wheels. So I, I don't yeah. know many PHVs that don't have a pure EV experience, which is kind of upsetting. Uh, yeah. Volts, I guess, they don't make that anymore. Um, because I think the benefit of it is you can have an EV experience at times. And if you have a transmission there, well, then kind of takes away some of that. Yeah. I don't remember the, uh, I have the Volvo XC60 T8. Oh, you're right. Thank you. Yeah. That those one are separate was, rear motors. Yeah. That yep. one was also a car I would not own out of warranty because it's supercharged, <laughs> turbocharged and plug-in hybrid. Uh, but I thought I was like, oh, that Bowers and Wilkins sound system. Yeah. Just. I have oh, dreams about best. that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think I am foolish enough, and maybe foolishly in love enough to own a Volvo plug-in hybrid out of warranty, like the V60 Polestar, especially. <laughs> yeah, oh. I would probably do dumb things to have one of those. I really like that. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun to have those in like 20 years or something. Like, I don't want it 20 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard look, but like two years from now, sure. But like right now, I'm looking at really old Volvos, thinking that would be cool to own. Like it just looks out of place in a good way. Like mm-hmm. they still look good. Rick. So we'll see. But speaking of off-roading, how's the, uh, how's the Lexus? Cause you guys just kind of jumped into this adventure. <laughs> out of yeah, the blue. <laughs> I, um, I don't know. I don't think I mentioned it last week, but I ended up selling my Audi, uh, back to Audi, my e-tron. So the e-tron is gone. Um, because the market right now is kind of crazy. So I was tinkering with the idea of, selling the e-tron now why the market is so high because generally you know audis don't tend to hold their value very well in a mm-hmm. normal market and i'm mm-hmm. sure an audi electric car probably holds its value even less than a normal audi but hard to tell but anyway the market was so high that uh we reached back out to the dealer i bought it from the audi dealer 
and they uh, made a very generous offer to buy it back because they had no e-trons on their lot and they didn't know when they were getting any other new ones uh, due to the supply chain issues that all the manufacturers are having right now. So it worked out my benefit. Um, I got a pretty nice profit uh, for driving an e-tron for five months. I ended up making more than $10,000 in cash by the end of it. Uh, so I'll take that. And then we kind of decided like, well, let's buy something fun. Like we've talked about going off-roading. We just were off-roading in the e-tron kind of on the beach. And uh, that's when we ended up buying this Lexus. Uh, needed a little bit of work. Uh, ben actually ended up doing some work on it this past weekend, which he can uh, tell us about. But overall, we're really loving it. Uh, I can't believe how nice this car is for a 2005. Yeah, Lexus really builds a very nice product. And it's easy to forget that as a car enthusiast because they don't normally make anything I have any interest in. Uh, but it's held together really well. And everything on it is perfect because basically underneath it's all a Toyota Land Cruiser bits and bobs except for the rear air suspension that was done by Lexus and that's what was wrong. So I went and had to replace some height sensors to get it to self level and, and drive and not sit all wonky. And uh, now it's perfect. And I've actually got, uh, hopefully tomorrow we'll be putting on some nice wheels off of a forerunner and some altering knobby tires so we can go live the overland life for all of <laughs> probably three days is my guess. Before we get, <laughs> we realize that we're not outdoors people. And uh, just do it for the looks. <laughs> hey, so, looks are valid. Oh, yeah. Look, that's why I want a ladder on the back. I specifically <laughs> want to buy one of those ladders. And I know I'm never going to climb up it. Except yes, for you like, would. you would do it once. You yeah, got to have get... a reason to. I'd invent reasons to do it. Oh, let me wash the roof real quick. I'm going to you know, get up there with the sponge or something. Put one of those stickers that says, like, not for actual use or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That would actually be really That's a good, good idea. That's a good People idea, would love that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a bit of so, ladder, roof rack, just things that may never get used. Oh, yeah. Like an, all about an awning or a style. Tent even. Yeah. I already know I want one of those pull out sun awnings. I'm already doing that. And I've also looked into like grills that mount into a hitch just because I've always wanted to have one of those. I thought it'd be fun. <laughs> They're actually not that expensive, thankfully. So no, nice. they've been around for you a know, while. Yeah. It's been a tailgate grill thing. That'd be kind of fun. Well, I think what we'll do with it is actually take it off-roading occasionally and then do like a weekend, long weekend trip in it. Realize that the outdoors is gross uh, and probably not too much more than that. But that's, you know, I need to get <laughs> on we seat. live in North Carolina. And if, and if I get the bug, then I know that I'm safe in my Rivian order and I should do that. But, you know, otherwise maybe I don't need to go for the Rivian anymore. So we'll see. Well, we don't have bugs out here. So this is the place to come <laughs> off-road and moving. camp and do all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are Sold. definitely moving now. You got Sold. a guess room? Yeah. Uh, do, well, it's being borrowed right now, but eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's... You it's, can pay your mortgage. It'd be awesome to like have y'all come out because these are the trails. We could do some great videos. And like, and I actually, I've actually been befriending a lot of wheelers, I guess they call themselves, but they, <laughs> they do like the hardcore trails. Like They have the builds and they do the hardcore mm -hmm. trails that I would probably never touch in a press vehicle. Yeah, um, so, but <laughs> yeah, on, on the opposite spectrum, I drove something else last night. I, for the first time ever, drove a right-hand drive vehicle. Um, oh, oh! Before we get into the car, oh, well, okay, we're getting into it. I oh. wanted to just separate right-hand drive and ask you, as I've done it once before, and I want to know what your thoughts were. Just car aside, 
right hand drive news because it's a really unique experience. It is, yeah. So I only turned on the windshield wipers once. I was very, That's very good. proud. Yeah, uh, I reached <laughs> for them a couple times and then like you know had that like instant reaction of like, oh no, I don't want to do that. So um, that it was interesting, like so be because not everything's backwards. I mean, wiper mm -hmm. stock and turn signals are backwards. You are obviously backwards, but <laughs> the pedals are correct. The gear selection is correct. Mm -hmm. So even, but I almost stalled at starting it just because I was just so out of place. Like I didn't even know what I was doing. Like I yeah. forgot how to start a car for a second. <laughs> it was so <laughs> I used my left hand to change gears. But what's, what's funny is like, I, you know, you also, uh, this was at night too. So by default, you kind of like, you know, see the lane on the highway and you're like, okay, I need to be kind of close to the lane, <laughs> but I had to reverse it because then I was putting my passenger into the other lane. Um, yeah. But I was driving, I'll throw on the screen here for our viewers. I was driving a Suzuki Cappuccino, which is roughly four inches wide. So even if I was in the middle of the lane, he was still in the lane. <laughs> <laughs> Cappuccino, it's so fun to say. It is, I am enthralled by these cars. I mean, a three, like you can have a target top, a T top, or a convertible. Um, and it's all hard tops. So there's no soft top to speak of. Um, so it's a fully modular top. And I'm, yeah, I'm enamored. I love these things. <laughs> it is very, like, a driving feel is very NA, maybe NB Miata. Looks wise, it can sometimes be mistaken by an NB until you see them side by side and realize just how much smaller this actually is. <laughs> it, it's uh, very rare for a Miata to look large next to something. This <laughs> yeah. maybe the only way to do that. Yeah, mine looked so big next to it, which was absolutely hysterical. Um, but I, yeah, I loved it. I've definitely considered buying these at some point. Like, they're, oh, yeah. they're not for, for a K car, they're not that expensive. Um, so, because the, you know, the three most popular ones that you can import now are the Suzuki Cappuccino, the Honda Beat, and the AutoZam AZ1. The AutoZam <laughs> is by far the most like exotic, I guess, exotic <laughs> of those three. It's probably the most rare, which is why it beckons a three to four X price over the others. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I can find cappuccinos all day for between five and 10. Yeah. Just go to Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. I, and they're also different. Like cappuccino is modular, hard top front engine, rear wheel drive. Honda beat is soft top mid engine, rear wheel drive. And AutoZam is coupe goal wing doors, rear wheel drive. I think it's rear wheel drive, right? <laughs> yeah. Mid engine yeah. too, right? Yeah. I think it's mid. I think it is. Yeah. So it's, fascinating i'd love to have all three honestly but you know <laughs> what is money in garage space anyways <laughs> you know i actually really like the honda beat that's the only right hand drive yeah, car I we've drove. looked at those mm -hmm. yeah i've i've gone down the which weird jdm k car do i buy rabbit hole like multiple times a year it's probably seasonal <laughs> at this point um everything from like oh i want a delica four-wheel drive van to <laughs> minute kyle and i both I we were very close to that. buying a we were uh, Kyle and I were both very close to also buying a K car fire truck. <laughs> I don't remember why. I was looking at those the other day. <laughs> um, another podcast I helped with, we did like a, we basically had, you know, like almost like a top gear challenge of like a budget and a limitation for like a region. So with my budget, 
with my brother's budget, he had three cars and with mine, I had seven and one of them was a fire truck. <laughs> um, and it was just too, like, I would just like convert it to like a video, like thing, like just like video gear truck and, but keep all the fire truck looks like, I think that'd be awesome. I would keep it as a fire truck and start a mobile detailing business. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> you want to wash the car? Yeah. Open up the, the pressure. There you That's go. a great idea. <laughs> Yeah, I have a friend who imports cars, and so all three of his cars are Ray and Drive because he kept for himself a Mitsubishi Evo 3 and a oh, Delica yes. and yes. a Supra Mark III um, factory wide body, which is crazy. Um, That's neat. So I, he's what turned me on to Ray and Drive cars, and <laughs> now it's like, like yeah, my family would be like oh is that a lamborghini and i'm like looking the other way like looking at the right hand drive delica that no one gives a second mm. glance at so is it on acti <laughs> yeah there's a lot of delicas here uh, i almost uh, i there's some i'm glad we have the gx because i was close to a delica for a while oh and we were close we yeah like i are. i already had called the uh, what was it delica usa or something that's like someone who like specifically that's all they handle um <laughs> and Oh, God, they have great names. They're like Space Tour or Space Cruiser <laughs> or like Star yeah. Liner. They always like spaceship names. It's good. And there's the less exciting looking, but probably more practical and reliable Toyota Hiace. I've given those yeah. thoughts as well. I, so. You know, I can tell you what it's like to drive a Hiace because I've driven oh. one in oh. South Africa. It is unremarkable. I mean, it's, it's, I believe it's, it. It's twenty passenger van with a manual gearbox and a diesel engine, and that somehow you would think is interesting, but it's not. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like driving a Toyota Camry. Well, it's, 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 Toyota yeah. products all feel the same. They do yeah. this thing where they're like, ah, oh, they're all about the same. Although the amount of space in it's good, and it's it's kind of cab over cab forward, so you get you know that's a different yeah. turning experience, which is kind of unique. Um, you can make a tighter turn than you think you can because there's nothing in front of you. And in fact, you will sometimes, as the driver, go over a curb where the tires won't touch the curb, which yeah. is a very strange experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, also on the off-road camper. Also on the off-road train. Actually, so the next thing we're going to show, I would straight up camp out of um, switching to news. Uh, Alpha, which I think we've touched on maybe once at some point in a previous episode. I don't remember, uh, but we are going to talk about them now because we finally have an actual prototype. Um, this is the Wolf, which they have the Wolf, the Wolf Plus, the which is kind of weird. <laughs> that sounds like a phone name, sort of. Um, but <laughs> this is this is Pro as well, the Wolf Pro Max Plus XL. <laughs> um, I'll actually go to their website too. Um, Wolf Wolf Plus and Wolf Plus Cloud Break. That's fun. Ooh, that's a good. Tr that's that's just like the uh, delicate trim level names right there. Then yeah. They, they oh, that's probably that some thing. inspiration. Ooh. You just drag your tent around. <laughs> <laughs> this is straight up like I could see Elon seeing this and he's like getting ideas for Mars. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming these are like inflatable uh, exoskeleton that brings up the tent, like it's it's air tubes and not metal. Probably, yeah. I would hope that's so. That's cool. Um, Wolf, Wolf Plus, Wolf Plus Crowdbreak, and Super Wolf, which is their four door. Super Wolf. Yeah. Oh, that deserves its name. Look at yeah. that. Yeah. So these are all huge. It's got like the Bronco tire sauce, Sasquatch oh God, package, like, like yeah, stance and fitment. 
Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. most all of their trims or packages, whatever, are renders. But what made news was their actual prototype right here, which is just the Wolf. So it's just a two-door, not extended cab or anything. I love it. This, I yeah, I am enamored. This is like Subaru Brat has returned. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I can't get enough of it. It is slow, sort of speak, for an EV, but I don't, like, I, I'm hoping people are going to get out of that thing where they're obsessed with zero to 60 times. Just understand, like, any EV is going to feel relatively quick because what you notice is that off-the-line immediate acceleration, even if zero to 10 is, like, your fastest point, and then it kind of tapers off. Um, but this is zero to 60 in 6.2 seconds, which is actually about the same as the Mustang Mach-E um, 4XE, whatever it's called, the base model Mach-E. Um, so I, yeah, I love this thing. It's not too long. It's just a hair longer than a Subaru Outback. Um, so It's not it's far off of a Ford Raptor's acceleration. I think that's, what, 5.8 or whatever, and that's 6.2? Uh, I mean, might be quicker than that. Uh, they might be now with the turbo engines, but like the early ones were not fast. The V8, yeah. So it's it's awesome, um, looks wise at least. But again, I guess to to bring Kyle's point of view in, even though he's not here, uh, all they have is a prototype and literally nothing else. So to Kyle, according to Kyle, they do not exist. Um, same kind of argument he likes to bring up about the Cybertruck. Like, it's making so much news. Although at least they know where they're building Cybertruck. Um, Wolf or Alpha doesn't even have a facility really. They're planning well, it. They're planning the to build prototype. it. Yeah, they they built a prototype. Like they have a facility, but they haven't talked about um, where they're going to build like large scale. Uh, except that they want to do it inside the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, of course, yeah. So, well, and you probably have to for the pickup truck thing yeah. for the chicken tax. But it's actually fairly practical too. Like the the actual bed is bigger than the incoming like Ford Maverick. And I think a lot of people will compare this to the Ford Maverick because it is mm -hmm. comparable in size. But the Maverick has like bigger cab, and this has bigger bed, and obviously much more aggressive off road capable looks versus the Maverick's front wheel drive base package. Mm -hmm. So, I think, yeah, you know, they're pretty far along to have a physical, if it's even functional, that's a huge step there too. Mm -hmm. Prototype, you know, there's plenty of EV companies that are talking about that I've, I've heard far more about than this company and they haven't even done more than a render, let alone, you know, like a physical thing. Yeah. And um, I mean, they actually have like bed length measurements. I mean, that's pretty good. Like you can get a pretty solid idea of the usability of this truck and gosh, it looks so cool. I'm so sad that it's not coming out like tomorrow. Cause I'd buy one. Yeah, exactly. And like it, buy to the max. Right it really there. looks like someone took like a really early Toyota pickup truck or like Datsun That's pickup truck called, and put big old tires on it and just made it cool and modern. And it's like, okay, we're going to sell that, which is perfect. Why so mess with it? If it's, you know, it's DC a good idea. Yeah, DC oh, yeah. fast charging. Um, there is a frunk, so lockable exterior storage, mm -hmm. just like you know the lightning and stuff. Um, and here's the interior, which is very minimal, and I like it. It's just basic I and like bare the bones. Seat. It's not like yeah. a bench seat. You still get some kind of buckety seat. It's, and I guess if you needed a crew cab, you can get one. Oh yeah, look at that. That looks cool. It's like very old school, like eighties, nineties. Yeah, I uh, love Japanese pickup. 
I love that the prototype has a brown interior. Like no yes. one's doing that in prototypes, <laughs> except maybe Bentley. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love it. You know, this brings up an interesting thing. Looking at the Frunk photo there, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think of all the EV pickup trucks, Ford has done the best Frunk because when they mm -hmm. open it up, the grill comes with it, so you don't have this lip to load over. You know, you're not getting into this like box. You're getting into this. It's, you know, similar ease of access as a pickup truck bed because you remove one wall from the equation. Mm -hmm. And uh, now that I've seen that on the, you know, photos of the Ford Lightning, I'm kind of upset that other things don't have it because it seems like a great idea, actually. Yeah, it, it is. Um, so when I was when I went up to see the Lightning at Ford Proving Grounds, the person I talked to, which is kind of fun because you don't really think about this when you go see a vehicle. Um, I talked to the lead designer of the what, Mega Power Frunk. That's what they call it. Um, <laughs> and I, I didn't ever, I think, give thought to the fact that there would be a lead designer of the Mega Power Frunk. But this entire person's job for who knows how long was designing everything about the Frunk. And I think that would be, that'd be such an interesting job, like hyper-focused on this one thing. Um, well, but, I mean, that you're going to interact with that so much. It's got yeah. power. I mean, that's such a key user experience thing on a truck like that and how they're positioning it. Makes sense that they would need someone for that because, you know, that's not just, a, oh, hey, designers, we need this. And by the way, we wanted to do like everything you could ever want a cargo space to do and more. Like they'd be like, whoa, hang on. That sounds like its own thing right now. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't an afterthought. And, you know, the, uh, the fact that just like Corvette with the C8, Ford's, you know, thing with the mega power frunk is the fact that it would carry two sets of golf clubs, um, which I think is just a funny <laughs> metric, but I guess they know their users. Although I don't see many Ford F-150s at golf courses. It's more, more Corvettes. So <laughs> I don't see any yeah, golf sure courses, but yeah, it's a golf course, I guess. Yeah. Um, if we can drool for a little bit, I want to talk about this Porsche, Gunther Works. How familiar are you guys with Gunther Works? I'm familiar. Okay, please tell they us cool a, a sky high view, or is that the is that your summary? <laughs> they make cool stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, he, I, the, I'm trying to think what's a because Alpina is now in house at BMW. Gunther Works is just a company who's had a very long history of, especially in the Porsche world, making some pretty unique things, modifying some things. And so this is basically their 993 remastered as a speedster, basically. Or I don't know if they're starting the speedster in this. I haven't actually dove into it too much. But this was at um, Monterey Car Week. I think they unveiled it. And, yep. oh, it looks so cool because it's kind of this retro future modern uh, take on, you know. And 993 has always been a great looking car. But you give it a, some modern touches um, and take the roof off. And in the Porsche world, speedster is a very special uh, type of vehicle because a, a convertible or a cabriolet as they called it uh, would be a, a vehicle that you drive with the roof off on occasion but a speedster is a vehicle that you drive with the roof up on occasion that means it is really meant to be driven with roof down 99 95 percent of the time you're using it and so that creates a very different look you, in, in Porsche world you get these kind of buttresses that come up behind the rear roll bars and the behind your heads you know almost f1 style but you have you know a pair of them and so Ah, what a what a strikingly good looking car! I'm obsessed with every detail on it. 
Um, but I guess by definition, then my Miata is a speedster because the, the top is up maybe 5% <laughs> yeah. of the time. <laughs> well, I think it, it, in the Porsche uh, terminology of it, it's what the intent is when building it, yeah. you know, I guess. So I don't know how that would be. I, I, I'd like to fire. think Mazda would like to think uh, people would use yeah. the Miata that way. I don't know if everyone does, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it, the, uh, there was a prototype, um, like Mazda, right before the next generation, typically, they'll take a couple cars to like big auto shows that are like kind of prototypes, but pretty much what it's going to look like. And they've often done kind of a speedster with bikini top type of thing where it's mm. like, 100% of the time the top is off and if you want to add a top it's like a whole process like it, it's yeah. very different from what actually comes out and like those are what I'm obsessed with I those wish they cool. would build one I mean the way Porsche would uh, market their speedster is the roof is not powered you have to put the car in park and exit the car open a trunk and manually <laughs> do this and not only do you <laughs> manually have to raise up the roof and like do it all up, but you have to go to the other side of the car to like open and close and, and handle that. You know, it's like a, yeah. you have to get out of the car and walk around it twice to accomplish. Yeah. Like work. the spiders, the boxer spider, <laughs> the boxer spider. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I guess their exception to the speed. So they needed to give it a different name. Um, I will say though, that profile shot of it is really good looking. That's Holy very cool. moly. So, so give like us the specs. Fenders, the specs. The Even the wheels and everything. Um, so yeah, four liter flat six, 435 horsepower, 335 pound feet of torque, um, 7,800 uh, red line, which is awesome. I mean, a lot of Porsches have high red line, which is why it's fun. So, and then six speed manual G50. That's a very, very, very popular uh, gearbox for classic 911 enthusiasts. Yeah, it's amazing. I think they just made it like a little tighter like they got in there and upgraded that was some of the, the like the synchros oh. and things like that oh it says it right there in fact revised ratios and a new differential with carbon clutches okay so that's not going to feel like a g50 i don't even know why they mentioned that it's <laughs> feel like a completely different gearbox there are people i talked to in the Porsche world and like yeah it's got a g50 so you know what that means as if like everyone it's like it's a known quite it's like garlic bread or something it's just like yeah. garlic bread you know what that means i'm like but <laughs> Do you, if you've never had garlic bread before? I don't think so. But it, it carries that weight, which is interesting. The gear uh, shifter itself looks amazing, though, on the car. The way uh, that they made it. I don't know what they made it out of, but it looks like it's weighted and it feels amazing to touch. I okay. bet you it's mostly carbon fiber and very expensive. <laughs> and they're all <laughs> oh, sold. Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> it's expensive. They're all sold <laughs> and carbon fiber, probably. Well, I'm sure Jerry Seinfeld is getting one. I don't know. I've um, I've heard from a lot of people. He's very much a uh, like purist when it comes to Porsches, um, and he's mm. he recently just picked up. I was listening to it. Um, was it? Uh, I can't remember nine ten or something. A, a Porsche racing car um, based off nine eleven from a while ago. <laughs> so he he so wouldn't like these mirrors. <laughs> I don't know. I think he'd find it cool. I don't know if it's a, a Seinfeld car. I'm kind of yeah. curious. So it has an adaptive suspension too. Mm-hmm. Composed Sport not. and Sport Plus. Nice. I love yeah. those seats. Now, I'm not a huge bucket seat guy, as Ben can tell you, because I always tell him he cannot get bucket seats in a car because Crazy. I think they are 
for the most part, silly, unless your car is for a special occasion like this and you're actually going to use it on the racetrack. But those bucket seats look really good. Their interior yeah. looks, I mean, on par with Singer. I mean, we all know Singer does a great, great 911. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this interior looks uh, just as good, if not even slightly better. It's a lot of carbon fiber, but at least you know it's real. It's not like a vinyl mm-hmm. wrap like Kyle's Sprinter van. So, <laughs> yeah. It's got to make it into I, every episode. I think if you want the like sportier side of a 993, you get one of these. And if you want like craftsmanship, you probably still go with Singer, would be my mm-hmm. guess, because that's really what those cars seem to be about. It's about rebuilding them from nut and bolt up to. You know, oh, that was made of aluminum. Now it's titanium. That was steel. Now it's aluminum or yeah. probably titanium. Uh, stuff like that. And this looks like if you cross someone who wants a modern Lamborghini, you give them some of that in a Porsche sort of a thing. That's sort of how I feel about that. Because it's flashy. Those seats are kind of unique in, in that area. It has a bit of a modern supercar retro vibe to it. Uh, which everyone's well, I think all about. Yeah. The 993 coupe that they are doing looks even better. Um, I just love the 993 shape in general. Like Ben said, it's such a one of the better looking 911s I think ever, uh, and it wears this uh, Gunther Works kit very well. What uh, year range was 993? Uh, that was like the end of the uh, like 911 air cooled time. So that was like. 95 or something 95 to 98 because yeah. 99 was 996 yeah we had like 95 to 98 somewhere around there yeah uh, it was one of the shorter generations i think they were meant, meant to go from just straight up from the 964 to the water cool cars but they weren't ready in time and so 993 kind of happened as like a holdover in some way for porsche at the time because i've uh, my understanding of those cars is they've got weird subframe tweaks and stuff that are not necessary for what they are, but kind of end up making sense when you look at in the context of the water-cooled cars that came later. Hmm. Yeah. Because it wasn't Someday. around that long. You know, it's a short production run for a yeah. Porsche, at least. You know, four years, which is very short. You know, it's about half the normal time. Yeah. Well, of a current modern production car. Back then, you know, that'd be much longer. <laughs> it's been so hard to keep long track made the 356. <laughs> It's been so so hard for keep. I think for most people to keep track of the like numbering system for Porsche generation, but yeah, <laughs> you just it's like if you know, you know. That's that's about it. Uh, the good no... news is it's at least sequential. Oh wait, no, it's all out of order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for the third time in a row, we have to touch on the Genesis GV60. This is going to be like the Dacia Sandero for Top Gear. Just keep bringing it up every couple good of news. <laughs> the good news. The Dacia, I mean, G- Genesis GV60. So the reason it's making news is because everyone hated the lime green one we showed a couple weeks ago. Then last week we showed a spy photo in black. And now Genesis has shown us uh, what it would look like with white to see if people like it. But it's like they're just like throwing yeah. darts at the wall, well, hoping one sticks. They probably shouldn't have shown us because I like it even worse, to be honest. And that front end looks horrendous in this color. Like you just, I don't know. (laughs) To me, this car does not scream Genesis brand still. I just don't see why I would buy this over the Ionic 5, which is also 
technically a Hyundai, or even if they were to electrify the Tucson, I think that would look better than this GV60. And that little oh, crease yeah. in the back, I don't understand. So it's, not still not a fan, not winning me over. I've so I've seen three Genesis GV70s this week, and those are stunning specimens on the road. And the GV80, yes. I don't know. Like, okay, if you want electric, great, go get an Ionic 5. If you don't want electric, the GV70 and 80 is a masterpiece. I don't, yeah, I, I uh, it's hard. I mean, I guess I, they have to make an EV, but why did they make it look like this? Well, their whole <laughs> line like is going EV, but by 2035 or something, they just announced. And I guess that this is the start of that, but I don't know. I, I'm going to take a positive spin very briefly. And say that I do like the Chimsel, the uh, third brake light, as it were, on the back of that. Looks like it's a very horizontal line integrated in the spoiler, which is cool. Uh, and okay, I'm at a positive. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought I could. Go, I thought I could swing another one in there. Uh, and I think on that the, photo, the interior that looked nice. This rear three quarter angle is good. The curves and the haunches around the fenders and through the door that looks pretty good. It has a little bit of an eye pace vibe with that kind of cut up a black trim at the bottom of those doors, which makes it kind of look elongated in a very nice way. But there's just some angles where that front end is that nose is so bulbous. Right um, <laughs> yeah. And again, I'm going to say it. If you go online and you look up blobfish, it kind of has that thing going I, with that, that nose. Yeah. I like the, the, the headlights themselves. Crazy, I like the headlights themselves, just not with the rest of the front. Um I wonder if this is one of those cars that when you see it in person, you go, oh my gosh, now I get it. It's stunning. Because there's a lot of cars these days. You know, it's really tough to gain a a good insight on design without seeing it. Yeah. Um, I just think that the people who designed it would also know how to take photos to prevent that issue. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I guess (laughs) I guess a reason to buy this is if you don't care about style because you're spending most of your time inside the car. In which case, which Genesis nice interiors are insanely phenomenal. Oh, yeah. They're a lot. They're very much improved, and they're definitely right up there with the German arrivals. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that, that would be its only saving grace. I, but yeah, it needs a lot of work. And there's, you know, there's it has aftermarket. It's a cool shift knob, apparently. I think it's uh, <laughs> like a glass ball that spins upside down and then you twist it, which is cool. So that's park where you see the glass section and it flips yeah. around, and that's very fun. Yeah, so there's there's perks, but you know it's it's going to be a first EV, which I would maybe argue you shouldn't really buy. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a first a first model is a great Hyundai, warranty. Hyundai Kia bits, so it'll probably be yeah. fine. It's all known quantity stuff underneath ish. Yeah, see how well that worked out for Kona, but um... <laughs> yeah, I we'll we'll see, but. I I'm just so disappointed because because the Genesis G80 was like my favorite press car of the year in some ways, like partially because it was the most surprising, and so much of that was the interior. Like I just felt like complete luxury. Like that and Vol- the Volvo were like on par with the nicest places to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I am excited to drive it. It could be. I mean, whenever it does come out, um, but definitely. I would buy the Ionic Five with the looks. I'm not even a fan of the um, what's the other one? The Kia Telluride EV Six. The EV Six. Oh, the EV Six. Yeah. 
I don't really care about that one's looks either, but yeah. It's better. I think it's better than the Genesis. I think I think it's yeah. Kia has a very polarizing design language because it's very it, it's a very angular kind of a thing. Very sharp some angles, people yeah. it, it works, some people it doesn't. And Hyundai has that too. It depends on the car. Well, yeah, I mean that's funny is that I actually kinda like the EV6 a little bit more than the Ionic 5 in the photos that I've seen. I still want to see them both in person because I think they're actually quite large. Uh, I think photos make them look pretty small for the most part, but I think they're actually quite big in person. Yeah, but, so that's interesting yeah. because I think photos, like the whole, or not even photos, like the renderings you see on car websites, because usually those are renderings, not photos. Sometimes they're photos. But with the, oh, what was the name of the prototype for Toyota Supra? I love that prototype. And then when the Supra actually right. was unveiled, I didn't like it like didn't just it wasn't for me and then <laughs> yeah. seeing it in person has changed that and now i love the supra the corvette c8 has taken somewhat of the opposite approach like they unveiled it i was like that's the coolest thing ever the renders look amazing mm -hmm. and now i'm tired of seeing them um so I, it does depend on the spec though like depending on the color and the spec i actually do like the c8 but i don't like all of them versus the supra i pretty much like every single one at this point just so. word of advice, if you're getting a C8, just don't get red. Just <laughs> You're not a Ferrari. Yeah, don't get red. Because <laughs> then it looks like chrome wheels. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I would be that guy who would order a C8 in red and like literally take it to the far extent of Ferrari-izing it. It'd be like, it'd be like the, uh, what's the, what's some of those knockoff websites that you order like a knockoff version of something and it arrives. Like Wish. Like yeah. Wish or this Wow. Is, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I would make a Wish Ali Ferrari. Baba. Yeah. Wish <laughs> Baba. Um, so, you know who does have consistent design language? AMG. I think for the most part, you just see it mm -hmm. and you know it. Yes, um, they all look the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, they all have the new Panamericana grill or whatever yeah. they're calling it, which, like actually his trench looks very well across the cars it's they're doing big grill well can we all yeah, agree on that that's They've true done, you know because everyone's doing these big grills and for some cars it's a little bmw bit of a miss the badge the badge is still too big for me but and then there's mm -hmm. another badge in case you didn't see the first badge but i i do like it um so this is the mercedes amg gt 63 se performance or is that just performance unveil? Oh, reveal. Okay. Oh no, that's yeah. Performance is the full name. Okay, that is a <laughs> mouthful. Yes, um, it's a very long name. Let's just you know, AMG with back wheels. That's awesome. <laughs> Those are so <laughs> wide. <laughs> well, but, it's the the exciting thing about this particular car is that it is AMG's first ever plug-in electric. Yeah. Um, it's definitely going to be a sign of things to come. As you know, they've already announced that they're, you know, the AMGs are going to have four cylinders in them, like for the C class and the E class. So, four cylinder with a uh, battery like this car. I mean, the battery attached to this one, which still has the four liter twin turbo V8, <laughs> makes it the most powerful AMG uh, ever made from. From Mercedes, I mean, 831 horsepower and over 1,000 pound-feet of torque. That is uh, that's quite stout. Um, but I think the best part about this car is Mercedes advertises that you can go a whole seven miles 
on electric range. So yeah. if you live close to your Starbucks, you are good. Every other time, though, you are going to be listening to the twin turbo V8, which is not a bad thing because AMG <laughs> yeah. makes a great sounding motor. But it's just oh. kind of funny that they're like, oh, let's make this plug in electric. And uh, oh, what should the range be? Oh, what a, what range? We thought this was going to be like an electric boost type deal. No, it needs to have range. Damn it. OK, yeah. seven. <laughs> I can't like, even do 10. Darn, my twin turbo V8 just fired up. I guess I'm out of battery. Uh, yeah, 6.1 kilowatt hour battery pack. Who knows what percent of that is usable? Which Hopefully I mean, that, that is I smaller. imagine a lot of that has to be usable. <laughs> it's pretty small. That that is smaller than um, so the zero motorcycles. Like their smallest battery pack <laughs> is seven kilowatt hours, and this is smaller. That's incredible. I wonder how much this car weighs. Um, but they have yeah, broke three know. seconds, zero to 60. So that's big news. This goes 2.9, according to them. Um, it looks cool. I, I've i never actually seen the charging port in the back. It's like they know you like, drive an AMG, you're going to reverse into yeah. that charge point station. <laughs> uh, this is a common trend among Mercedes plug-in vehicles. Yeah, it's really, plug, as I call it, the charge port <laughs> in the back rear bumper corner. It's a weird yeah. thing. <laughs> I suspect it's more to do with packaging. I mean, it seems like, and it's low because it's in the bumper. So you're kind of like, it feels a little like, uh, it just uh, unnatural to reach. I mean, you, that photo, you can see the guy's yeah, bending over guy. quite a bit to do it. <laughs> and he's not a tall looking man because that charger is like pretty, <laughs> that's probably only four feet high or something. Um it's just a weird spot to have it, but they've yeah. been doing that on like the GLC and the C-Class plug-in hybrid. Yeah, I was going to say, Mercedes um, definitely put claim to the rear plug-in. It's like back in the 70s. No one else is doing it. Back of your car, yeah. Yeah. But I will say, um, I think the AMG GT four-door looks really good. Um, yeah. I think it's a really good, cool-looking car. And I love that little button. Car. Is this uh, an all-wheel drive vehicle or no? Um, They're all-wheel drive, I think. I believe yeah, I believe it is. I think most AMGs nowadays are all-wheel drive. So this is an interesting comparison here. Would you rather have this or a Panamera Turbo SE hybrid, which has 0 to 60 in the same time, 196 mile an hour top suit, which is the same, but 30 miles or more, 31 miles, 32 miles of electric range? Well, if money wasn't an issue, car would you, or which executive plaid uh, would you prefer? Well, let's no, get out of here. <laughs> I would no, like this is in the scenario where you need an EV and a gas car in one, and you can't have two. Um, <laughs> I wonder if the reason they're doing this is just for AMG customers who live in zero emission zones, because in Europe you have zero emission zones, which are mm. like you know, you have a congestion charge if you drive into London. Now there's a similar thing where if you drive downtown in many major European cities and you're in a gasoline car, well, now you pay an extra surcharge for doing that, for polluting that environment. Whereas if you drive there in a plug-in hybrid and you're in electric mode, you don't have to pay that. BMW's, you know, mapping all that stuff out in their plug-in hybrid specifically for this. So maybe this is for someone who lives in one of those areas and just needs enough electric range to get from their garage out of that zone without paying the extra fee or something. Um, Cause it, I don't know, but plugging it in seems a little 
pointless <laughs> otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I don't, um, I don't I mean, know. Don't what they let you plug it in here. instead of making it a regular hybrid? I guess I shouldn't complain. They're at but, least uh, moving in the right direction. I mean, the price looks like it's going to be competitive with the Panamera. Um, this thing could probably top out close to two hundred thousand dollars. I mean, mm -hmm. the standard one already is like a hundred and fifty or hundred sixty thousand dollar car or oh, something wow. like that. So, yeah. Um, but I, I'd have the Panamera. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's that's not even the SE. The SE is probably going to be two hundred. Uh, yeah, they sort of like one ninety. Yeah, but that's okay because you get like a three thousand dollar tax credit. <laughs> yeah, basically free. Uh, I do like it. Now, I am a sucker for the AMG GT two-door. Like, mm -hmm. that that style. I don't know when they first came out with that, but that design... Like 17 or 16. Yeah, that design language just is so good. And if that ever got, like, a plug-in hybrid, I still wouldn't be able to afford it. But, you know, I that, that would be another dream car, <laughs> right? Uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it has one pedal driving regenerative braking levels with I, this is very cool with a track only regenerative uh, programming setting too for like really aggressive. That's kind of cool. That's cool. Okay, so yeah, they didn't just the battery the battery cool, yeah. they've come up with some interesting solutions for it, which is very nice. Um, so that is apparently 81 miles an hour in electric mode, which I am curious if you can make it. Most people, can you make it to a highway before the battery runs out <laughs> and then make it to that speed? I wonder if that'll ever be I'd be challenged. Yeah, I wonder. So the, I couldn't. The, I know where I live. I could not almost. The Jeep Wrangler 4xe, bringing that back to that, um, you have to, like it has electric mode and then hybrid mode and then e-save which lets you save that electric driving for whenever you want. Um, so what I did was save that for when I got to the trail. So it was like an hour drive to get to the trail. Then I switched to electric mode, which what was interesting is e-save, even though on this, like all the text and stuff on the screen says it'll keep your current battery, which was 100, it let my battery fall to about 93% um, during mm -hmm. that. And you can even say e-save charge my battery. So technically about three hours of driving would give you 50, 60% of battery power. Um, but it won't charge it over like 90%. It's really weird. That, that makes sense. It's probably leaving a little extra so that your braking can still be done by regenerative braking. You need some more of that energy to go, I guess, which is yeah. potentially why you experience that in e-save. Uh, e it probably just burned a little bit. So it had some to, to benefit, you know, because otherwise you're just wasting brakes for no yeah. reason. Which I think that makes sense, but the, it's just funny because the wording on the screen is very, like, to the point of like, oh, you put this on at one hundred percent, you'll have one hundred percent battery whenever you want to <laughs> use it. So, which is not that big of a deal. It's not that much battery. It's seventeen kilowatt hours, fifteen usable. Um, but so your comment about the region though was interesting because the Jeep also had like a so one of the Jeep's pros was the brake pedal like you know a lot of hybrids have a very distinct brake pedal feel you can feel when it's like switching between region and like physical brakes the jeep was so linear and smooth i never knew when it was like region versus like actually bringing in the physical brakes um there's also a region like a max region button which was awesome because on the trail it was basically acting like an engine brake but i didn't have to worry about stalling it or anything so that was yeah, that was a, a something I didn't really think about until I was on the trail. This gives me so many like this is like one of my first like actual trail experiences in a proper vehicle. Like me and Kyle have taken you know 
things that weren't in the gun trails, which you guys have done too. But <laughs> taking like an actual trail vehicle, I was like, oh, maybe I am an off-roader in heart. Like I just yeah. never knew it. <laughs> Every, the first time anyone takes anything off-road, you go, ooh, maybe this is for me. Because it is satisfying and it happens at a speed where things are relatively safe. So like, I think even non-car people can have a little bit of fun like driving on a slightly rocky, bumpy trail where you just have to use a little bit of brain power to go, which way did I go? Where do I want to put a tire? It's kind of makes for a kind of engaging drive and some scenery generally. Yeah. Everyone can be a car person. It's it's fun to like have non-car people in like the Tesla reaction videos. Mm -hmm. Like they just had no idea. Um, I don't know. It's it's funny. Like the amount of times I'm hanging out with friends or like my wife's friends, like people just do that don't care about cars at all. It's not even my doing, I swear. But the conversation at some point will just shift to cars because everyone's had an experience or something, and it's like they can all talk about it, even though it's not their quote unquote passion. So, well, I think in America, especially, that, <laughs> and it's if you're not American, it maybe is harder or North American, I should say is our daily lives are so influenced by cars, even if you hate cars, because unless you live in very select metropolitan areas, you have to drive, you know, there's not many walkable cities. Yep. Everyone's in the suburbs or commuting, you know, so it's such a part of the American experience for better or for, well, probably more for worse than just for better at this point. But uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, it's, I think EVs have this tendency to rope people who have no interest in, cars from an enthusiast perspective into the, oh, this is kind of fun. I like this. I could enjoy this or something. Uh, and I think that that'll be interesting to see. Just like you mentioned with that Jeep, maybe you pull people who are already into cars into EVs now. You know, it's, I think there's opportunity now, especially with the variety of capabilities cars can do and the different types of powertrains to either bring more people into the hobby or open people's eyes to things they would have otherwise ignored completely. Yeah, they don't they don't realize it until they're sucked in. But <laughs> well, that's going to be like the F one fifty Lightning is going to probably bring oh, yeah. a lot more buyers to EVs and oh, uh, yeah. just realize how much there are a lot of benefits to owning just a pure electric car. Well, I wanted to end with a photo that Ben has sent me um, of the blobfish. If I could, oh yeah, you share this. <laughs> So this yeah. is the new a uh, Genesis the, Genesis. <laughs> yeah, this is the new Genesis GV60, everyone, in white. Uh, <laughs> so there's the blob, and there's the Genesis. If you're why is it not as ugly as you think? Just like the Genesis. <laughs> I don't know. No, <laughs> I, feel, I, I I do feel that was a little harsh. I'm sorry, uh, Genesis designers, <laughs> and I would love to be proven wrong. Uh, just hook me up with Prescott for a couple of weeks because I bet it looks better in person, especially once you explain it to me. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know who to be like, poor Genesis, poor Blobfish. I don't know which one's worse to be compared to the other, but, um, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, if you are confused as a listener, this is a good point time to point out we have this show on YouTube as well. Um, and we also have all of our, you know, stuff on YouTube, out of spec Motoring is Kyle's like big EV channel out of spec reviews is a lot more diverse content of like all sorts of cars, reviews, quick drives, range tests, everything like that. And we have um, Twitter, which is out of spec uh, with underscores in there. And my Twitter, Jordan underscore Schieffer. We have Mike's Twitter at M underscore Breeling. 
And Ben is Benji underscore OOS. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you very soon in another fun-filled episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.